Hey everybody, Larry Powell here, your host for Studio HFL. And on today's interview, we are going to hear from Liesl Whitaker. This interview was back on July 1st of 2020. And of course, at that time, her retirement was pending. And as of the release of this interview, this first week of October, uh, she has just had her retirement ceremony. So not much has changed really in the last couple of months, but I uh, hope you enjoy this interview. A delightful person, extremely talented, and uh, again, I hope you enjoy it. But before we get to the interview, this. Continued interviews from Studio HFL are made possible through the support of Messina Covers, Eastman Music Company, Pickett Blackburn, S.E. Shires, and through the generosity of Patreon subscribers. Trumpet players can be kind of picky when it comes to cases, perhaps even more so than other brass instrumentalists. If you have an idea for a custom case, then Messina Covers has your solution for completely custom case designs, even down to crazy color schemes. Let's not forget about options for mouthpiece pouches, or pretty much anything you'd want to keep protected in a custom case. Check them out at MessinaCovers.net. If you're looking for excellence in trumpets, trombones, horns, and tubas, you need look no further than the Eastman Music Company and S.E. Shires. Eastman offers a complete line of brass instruments, from the beginner all the way up to the professional. And you know they're invested in creating a quality product when the legendary Doc Severinsen helped design Eastman's beginner trumpet model. You can find more information about the Eastman Music Company at EastmanWinds.com and you can learn more about the S.E. Shires line of instruments at seshires.com. Pickett Blackburn has established themselves as a top-tier resource for trumpet players. If you haven't had a chance to try any mouthpieces available through Pickett, you can check them out online at pickettblackburn.com. And on the Blackburn side of Pickett Blackburn, it would be worth your while to check out their incredible line of trumpets endorsed by such great musicians as Vince DiMartino. Be sure to check them out at pickettblackburn.com and that's Pickett with two T's. And before today's interview, just a reminder that you too can be a financial supporter for this podcast by subscribing at patreon.com slash studiohfl. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash studiohfl. There are four tiers of support, and you can choose the one that best fits your budget. Your support will help offset the cost of production for this podcast and would be greatly appreciated please consider becoming a subscriber at patreon.com slash studiohfl. And now, on to today's interview with your host, Larry Powell. Liesl Whitaker, uh, welcome to my program, Studio HFL. Glad to have you here. Thank you very much. My, yeah. my pleasure. So uh, my first question really is, can I congratulate you on retirement yet? <laughs> I'm in the process. Uh, yeah, you can. I haven't quite gotten out yet. I got about six more months until I'm actually the papers are signed and I'm mm -hmm. completely out. But uh, I'm going through all the the steps to you know just get everything in order before I deal with uh, veterans administration stuff and sure. all that good stuff. So, yeah. Sure. So I mean, probably feels kind of like retirement already these days. Yeah. Yeah, it's been, I mean, I, who, who could have seen this coming? You know, what a strange way to have to, at my last tour got canceled. I didn't get to kind of have that fun part. Um, you know, the, yeah, I mean, who knew? It's just I've been kind of hanging out at home trying to get everything in order before it's all done. Mm -hmm. And in the process, you know, the tours were canceled. My last tour was canceled. 
and uh, they're just stream, uh, streaming live performances. And because I'm moving on, uh, they've already hired my replacement. So, oh, wow. you know, we're just, I'm just kind of doing what I can to help wherever and uh, trying to get my ducks in order. Yeah. It's quite a, quite a process to retire. I'm, I'm thinking Sorry. about the person that comes in to replace you. It's not exactly walking in onto the job, right? I mean, they're going to have to wait. <laughs> yeah, I imagine. Before they play with the band. Yeah, they're going to have to go to boot camp and uh, deal with all that. I'm not even sure what the status of the basic training is right now, if they're back to resuming it. I know they had, I believe they had halted it for a little while. So, uh, You know, I've actually seen some videos of recruits wearing masks and, really? you know, like five yards apart. Uh, yeah, you know. so it sounds like they're back. But I know they hired, I knew that the hiring process was all done online. Mm -hmm. So it, it wasn't a live, inter, live uh, uh, audition like it normally is. So that was kind of strange. So what tour got canceled? What was your tour that you were going to do? Oh, just our last, uh, what is this today? Our spring tour. That was going to be my last full tour with the band. And uh, it was about three days before you were supposed to leave. Mm -hmm. The uh, pandemic kicked in pretty pretty bad. And uh, they said, no, I can't go out. In fact, our was concert that... band was, was already out. They brought them home. So Was this just a stateside tour? Yeah, it was going to be up to the Midwest, uh, Chicago, Michigan, up around there. Mm -hmm. so, I was kind well, of I'm in out. Indianapolis. Have you have you guys ever come through Indianapolis? Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, I've been I've been with the field band since 2012, so uh, it'll be about well, yeah, eight years. So probably three times I've come through there that area since mm -hmm. I've been in. I've tried to make it a habit of catching any of the service bands that come through because the performances are all just top notch. Yeah, you know, it's a well kept secret. Nobody thinks about. Uh, <laughs> These, we don't we don't go on these you know hugely publicized national kind of things we do our own thing and if you know about it great if you don't then it's kind of your your loss there's no admission charge the free concerts are some of the most uh, well rehearsed groups in the country if not the world you know and that's yeah. something i noticed about uh, last one i saw was the air force band that came through and it was up in muncie indiana but what i noticed was the band sounded great but being rehearsed also, the transitions from piece to piece, I mean, everything flowed so beautifully. And, you know, it's like, why can't every group do that? You know, it just takes a little bit of effort, you know, but well, man, the, the production value goes way through the roof on something right. like that. Well, we actually practice that. We rehearse it. If something doesn't, isn't seamless or it seems like it kind of hiccups as through to the flow, we'll, we'll mix something up or we'll, we'll try something else. Maybe some way we're... It could be as simple as a tempo. It, it could be just about anything. It could be it, so. So we, we run all that before we even leave leave post before we even head out. So we've rehearsed these shows over and over and over again to make sure that we're, we've got it as, as best as we can before we put it in front of a live audience. Mm -hmm. But it's the least we can do, you know. Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, you know, aside from just practicing and making sure you've got your own chops up, right? It's every, everything else included. Absolutely, and you know, we rehearse five days a week. So what other big band does that? <laughs> Well, what other big band gets paid to do that? Right? Exactly. <laughs> now, even when I was in New York before I joined the army, to get a to get a rehearsal band together was unheard of. It cost so much. You got to rent the rehearsal hall. You got to you have to rent the equip the equipment for the the big instrument players, the piano, the bass, the drums, you know, or you got to be prepared to pay pay cartage and you're even paying it all. Right. You know, so many rehearsals up in New York are just a uh, labor of love, and they just come because they love the composer, they love the music, or they think it might lead to something later down the road. So it's a sacrifice. Right. So right. yeah, you don't you don't kick this in the real world. And, uh, yeah. thank, 
thankfully I was in the real world for a long time before I joined the services. So I, I can appreciate yeah. what I've had in the services. Yeah. So you mentioned New York, is that home for you? It was before I left. Um, I had been up there working on Broadway and, and doing whatever I could do, taking whatever stuff I could do. I could, uh, or joint, um, it's really where I cut my teeth. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, what, when did you get to New York? And, and I mean, then were you born and raised there? I guess. Is oh, the no, question. no, no, no. I'm originally from Chicago. I ended up in New York. I left school, uh, from Cincinnati, uh, to join. There was, there was an audition for diva, uh, open audition, uh, kind of cattle call kind of thing. Yeah. And I uh, found out from, uh, friend of mine, uh, John LaBarbera was the uh, arranger at the time for the band. And uh, he had come to a gig for one of my professors, Phil DeGreg at the University of Cincinnati. And the next day he'd come back and said, yeah, I heard about this uh, cattle call audition up in New York for this all women band. Would you be interested? And I said, well, yeah. He said, well, unfortunately you got to pay your own way. And so, uh, <laughs> you know, begged my mom to help me out. She was alive at the time and she sent me up to New York and put me up in a nice hotel and let me do the audition. I was fortunate enough to have won and uh, uh, beginning of the rest of my life. Yeah. Well, and I know you've, well, I don't know. Uh, Lexi Signer is a friend of mine. Yeah. And she had been a part of my group uh, while it was touring a little uh, brass quintet. Um, and she had, I think, subbed in Diva. I don't know if she subbed for you or played alongside, uh, but she told me a little bit about the group, but you were still you were doing both the, the service band and this at the same time, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think I met her in, uh, over the holidays, I want to say in 2017 or 18. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was going to have to miss some jobs with Diva. Some, you know, when it, when it fits my schedule, if I'm home and I'm not doing anything, you know, yeah. And I, if, I, if I can, if I have the leave to spare, I'll run up or ask for the leave and I'll run, or I'll run to New York, whatever's going on. Right. You know, why not? I'm a, I'm a single parent. I'm trying to pay for my kids to get through school. So, yeah, I'll yeah. take whatever I can get. But at that time, there was some diva work coming up that I couldn't do, maybe because of tour or I, I don't even remember at the time. But she came up and uh, she actually stayed with me a few nights and got her up into New York and, and, and got her on this this uh, this particular gig. I, I didn't get to play alongside with her. OK, um, I don't think. Um, but she filled in for me and I, as far as I know, she did a good job. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is, that group is still going. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, we, I mean, as much as anybody can be going right at the moment. Right. But, sure. Uh, I mean, everybody's being as creative as they can. You know, I actually, it's tough for, for freelance musicians right now. You know, I'm so mm -hmm. glad I have the, the army to fall back on right now. Yeah. yeah. You know, thinking about diva, uh, you know, of course, one of the, one of the hooks for that is it's an all-female band, right? But you you still play your butts off. <laughs> I mean, it's you know such a great group, and I think okay, so that's not the main focus of the group. It might be a part of it, but it's not like you get excused and you know for something else. It's the same thing with uh, Tina Helseth and her um, ten. I think it's ten thing Helseth. Mm -hmm. you know, all female brass group, which I heard live here in the States a couple of years ago and just absolutely uh, blew me away, but not because it was all female, but because it was just such a high level of performance. Right. Right. I mean, if you close your eyes, how do you identify a man matter. from a woman in the way right. they play? Really? There's this doesn't make any sense. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's, it's not really about that anymore. Yeah. Oh. Um, 
Yeah, and unfortunately, I can't audition for a group like that. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is that. There are There's, some limitations. Do, do you do any arranging? I don't. You know, that's one part of my career I I never pursued. I wish I had. Mm. Um, I'm not even really sure why. Maybe I, I don't even know. I wish I had. So I would like to. Yeah, I was just curious. Uh, I know the sometimes in groups like that, people within contribute. Um, yeah. So. Well, in Diva, you know, in Diva, we have several of the ladies that, that do write. In fact, the last record that we did, the 25th anniversary, is all original arrangements or mm -hmm. compositions. Um, and there's some pretty cool writers in that band, you know. Mm -hmm. And then when I was with the Army Blues from 2000 to 2012, uh, we probably had within that group nine arrangers, mm -hmm. you know. And right now with the JAs, uh, I only think a couple of guys write, uh, which is... You know, that's that's always a when you have a band like that, that's rehearsing every day, you have a full time lab band. What <laughs> you can't ask for better that you don't have to pay. You get to just bring stuff in and try it out. It's right. it's really amazing. So. Right. Uh, what did you say? 2002 that you started uh, with that group? 2000. 2000. Yeah. And was that your first uh, assignment in the service? Yeah, that was the first audition I, that I took in one was with the Blues. Mm -hmm. yeah. And was that for the lead spot? Yeah. Um, and I, was with, I was with them until 2012. Yeah. How many rounds, I'm curious, uh, audition-wise, how many rounds did you have to get through for that? Um, three? I think three. Mm -hmm. Or maybe two. Maybe uh, it should have been three, but I think they, they, waived, my, they waived my audition on the marches. <laughs> just kind of nice <laughs> yeah we'll take you anyways don't worry about it like right. <laughs> so. yeah um so good experience i would imagine with that group oh my gosh yeah yeah you know the jazz the the, the blues and jazz ambassadors completely different musically but both amazing groups you know uh, there were their pros and cons to both you know with, with the blues um it was probably the most comfortable feeling I've ever felt as a lead player coming into a, uh, a big band is just as far as the way they swung. Mm -hmm. They just really swung hard. You didn't have to think, you know, I could walk Steve Fittick, who's retired now, was the drummer, and just walk right in and he just set it up so nicely that I didn't have to think, you know, just like falling into a big comfy mm -hmm. chair, you know, just, just play. Um, you can't teach that. It's, it's either know that way the way that feels and how to execute it or you don't and, uh, you know and then uh the one thing that was hard about the blues was that we didn't have a dedicated rehearsal room so rehearsing was based on space a lot of times like if the passive band or another group needed a room and we we hadn't signed up for it fast enough well we didn't rehearse and plus that that group supports the ceremonial uh band so we did a lot of funerals and a lot of ceremonies um there's just a different kind of job. You know, the JAs, the whole mission is to tour. So that's, we have our dedicated rehearsal room. We rehearse five days a week. Um, and we get ready for one tour. We go out and we execute it. And then when we come back, we have like a few uh, days off. And then we start for the next one, which is months away. So it's, it's different things. I, I thought, I always thought that the JAs, because they were able to rehearse every day, were the more polished of the two as far as you know, we also had a block leave, so everybody took leave at the same time. So we had our dedicated personnel 100% of the time. Mm -hmm. And with the Blues, they had uh, they don't have block leave, so you can take leave anytime. Oh. So 
you know, sometimes there were subs in the band. Often there were subs in the band. It was very difficult to get all the whole band together. So, very different kind of situations. Mm -hmm. so. um, why the choice to go from one to the other? Well, my my daughter was born uh, in 2009, and her father and I were in the blues together, and we needed different schedules. That's basically what it was. Gotcha. So I had less time in service, so I think I was, you know, easier. It was easier for me to justify leaving mm -hmm. um, than he did. Um, so uh, uh, it's easier to hire somebody when they have eight years left on their contract versus four or five. So right. Right. get your money's worth, so to speak. Right. <laughs> um, so where's the band stationed? Uh, the Jays are at Fort Meade, Maryland, which is between Baltimore and Washington. And the Blues are where? Blues are at Fort Myer, which is in Arlington, next yeah. to uh, Washington. Yeah, I lived in Arlington. Uh, I worked at the Pentagon when I was in the Air Force oh, many, yeah. many, many years ago. Yeah. Um, and right up next to, uh, well, you could walk over to the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier from my apartment. I mean, it was pretty, pretty close. Oh, yeah. Yeah, was, they're all right there together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't miss living in that part of the, <laughs> part of the country, though. It you know, rough. it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful area. The city of DC is actually absolutely beautiful. I think as far as a downtown and everything, it's clean. It's, it's that white limestone, uh, but boy, is it expensive and the traffic sure is, is, uh, challenging mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> to, right. put it, to put it nicely. Oh my gosh. I remember the first time I ever, uh, what's the, what's the interstate that circles? Is it 295? Uh, 495. 495. I remember the first time I grew up in Kentucky, mm -hmm. right? I mean, there was, it's pretty much straight road right? You know, and, and a few hills, but uh, I got to DC and I remember being on 495 the first time I was, traffic was going so fast. I was so scared to change lanes <laughs> and I missed a couple of exits. You know, it's like I finally had the nerve to get off on an exit, turn around and, and find my way back. And then, right. Uh, yeah. It's after, not, it's, well, I was, was going to say after living there for a while, I got back to Indiana, I settled in Indiana. And then I tried to drive like I was still there. <laughs> it didn't work well. Yeah, you don't make friends well that way. Yeah. So, yeah I think um, the first, I think the first ten times I went into DC, I got lost. Just from the different systems, one-way systems on the streets, so right. kind of crazy if you don't know. Right. But yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think I found my route and stuck to it. You know, <laughs> no matter what. <laughs> no matter what. So, on retirement, are you going to settle elsewhere? Or are you going to? So my. I'm probably going to hang out. My daughter's only 10. She's going to be 11 in a few months. Um, I, it's kind of, you know, kids are resilient, but I move her, especially right now, everything's kind of up in the air, you know? So sure. I'm, I, uh, I had a, a, a show that a friend of mine was, had asked me to uh, commit to, which I was ready to go for previews in uh, starting in the fall or just the rehearsals. It was going to be off Broadway, then hopefully move to Broadway. And now Broadway shut down until January. So that's, kind of on hold. So, mm -hmm. You know, I have my house, so I might as well just keep paying on it and <laughs> see what happens. Right. I mean, these are like, like I said, strange times. Yeah. I don't think anybody knows what's going to, what's going to maybe yeah. actually try and learn some of this technology that we're using. So yeah. that's my plan. Yeah. Well, um, how's the practicing going during all this? You, are you finding motivational obstacles just like me and everybody no, else? No, I'm, I'm struggling. I'm actually down at my sister's right now. Um, my father's been ill, so I, I've been down here for uh, about a week and a half, and I'm getting ready to go head back next week. But uh, I, since this whole thing went down, you know, all the gigs are canceled. 
and uh, I'm the kind of person that needs, I, I'm not a good self-starter, so I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm admitting it to, to whoever's watching this that yeah. I stop. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, I, I need to uh, practice more. I, I, I believe, though, I will say that I, I, regardless of this, I do think taking two, three weeks off every once in a while for lead players is good because we, we rip our faces apart so often, you know, at night after night, just bashing. It's, for me, anyway, it helps me to take a couple, two, three weeks off. Now, the problem is that I took my two, three weeks off. I haven't really found my way back yet. But <laughs> yeah. I do have a couple projects that are that are Zoom projects that I, I need to do. So I, I am finally getting some right. motivation back. Right. Well, you're not alone. Almost everybody <laughs> I've interviewed since all this started has, has uh, admitted to the same thing. Really? You know? Well, oh, then yeah. I don't feel so much like yeah. an alien. Yeah. So, and you know, I do notice, um, and I agree, taking time off uh, is valuable. I think for the mental break sometimes, yeah. just as well as the physical. But um, I find that as I get older, it's much easier to come back. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, and, but I also find that I need it more. <laughs> well, yeah. The older I get, you know, just because the physical things, I don't recover as fast as I used to 20 years ago, but. Um, and and I have different things going on in my life as most people do after 20 years. I've got a family, I've got kids, I've got to you know think about mortgages and things like that. So different stresses than you have when you're 20 years old. So I, you're right, but the mental break is absolutely necessary. Just make sure we're take a little self inventory, make sure that my values are lining up with what's important around me, and uh, you know do no harm, so to speak. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I agree. Yeah. I, um, okay, so there's going to be an audio version of this. So uh, I'm saying that because I'm seeing your shirt, and I think that's awesome. And I'm thinking that's great for a lead player. And the shirt says, actually, I can. That's just for the <laughs> listeners. Um, and I'm thinking, you know, that's it's great no matter what. I'm thinking, yeah, go ahead and challenge me. <laughs> I, I think that's – I may copy that shirt. But. Oh, well, I, I, don't, I don't remember where I got it. I just, I just thought it was awesome. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. so uh, here's, here's a question. Um, did you ever think you were going to be doing this for as long as you've done it as a, you know, as a career? Was this something you had focused on early on? You mean as a lead player or as a soldier? Uh, well, let's talk about both. What, let's talk about the soldier aspect of it first. Well, I mean, if you asked me when I was in college years and years ago that I, if I would be in a military band, I was, sorry, it's my dog. I would have said absolutely. I would have said absolutely not. You know, there's no way. Just one second. It's all good. She's uh, my daughter's going to close the curtain so she doesn't get so stressed out. No. This is awesome. <laughs> okay. Hey, that's enough. All right. This, like I said, if I was in, when I was in college years ago, if you'd have asked me, I would have said absolutely not. I would have never gone into it because it's just not something I knew about. Right. Um, in fact, when I first got the call to audition for the Blues, they, you know, I, I was married to my to my husband at the time, and I told him about it. He was an ex uh, Royal Marine. And I, I said, you know, I got this call from this military band. What do you think? He said, no way. There's no way I'm going back to any kind of military lifestyle. Like, All right. So I didn't even return the call. And about a week later, they called me again. And I actually picked up this time. This is before, you know, we had uh, 
the caller ID, I believe, oh, on my phone. <laughs> and uh, so I got stuck into this call. I'm thinking, oh, no, I picked up. <laughs> and uh, they kept me on the phone for several hours, actually, talking about this job. And the more I, they talked about it, I thought, you know, this sounds, this sounds kind of too good to be true. What's worse to catch? And he said, you know, just send a tape, you know, tape, not CD, because we didn't do that back then. <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, and, and uh, you know, and, and, and send a picture. They want to make sure that you're, that you look like you can get into shape. And, mm -hmm. uh, and if you're not selected, no harm, no foul. And if you are selected, you can come and audition or you don't have to. So, but, you know, that's, that's true. There's no harm in sending the tape. So I did that. And uh, a couple months later, I found out I was finalist and they invited me. And so had one more call with my husband on the speakerphone and, and he was like, wow, this sounds really good. Mm -hmm. So yeah, then we did it. And then once, once I joined and got out of boot camp, I, was, I realized what a great job it was. And uh, then I saw it as a career at that point, mm -hmm. but it seemed so far away, you know, when you actually 20 years when you're a kid is like, Oh my gosh, will I ever make it? Right. And here I am. And it seems like it was yesterday, mm -hmm. you know, but as far as being a lead player, honestly, if I wasn't going to be a lead player for a career, I don't know what I would have done because that's all I've ever done. You know, it's it's just kind of I've been so lucky to have uh, doors open for me and opportunities. So, I mean, I've, I've really been fortunate. So I can't see me doing anything else, whether it was in the military or not. Again, that was the that was the if part. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of people think uh, being a lead player is just about the high chops, but it's also knowing how to swing. Um, you know, yeah, so I would say it's more. Is, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Please. I was gonna say it's more about swinging to me, anyway. It's it's like, uh, you know, there's 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 nothing more frustrating to me than somebody who has high chops and doesn't know how to use them or thinks they know how to and doesn't. I call it stunt trumpet playing, you know, just uh, it's like somebody who has a, a an amazing um, uh, set of tools that make cool noises and can, you know, like I have this cool hammer that can just beat the crap out of stuff or I have this awesome saw that can do this. But if you don't know how to create anything with them, what good are they? Right. <laughs> you know? So that's kind of what I think of it as. I think it's more important to be able to, to have a good feel, make good musical decisions and not be selfish as far as the rest of the band goes. Mm -hmm. That's not your job. Where'd you first get interested in this, in, in the jazz, the swing aspect? Uh, it was accidental, actually. Um, I was in school at UNC Greensboro for a semester. Um, my my mom had um, to be hospitalized um, when I was in when I was a freshman in college, and at that time I was going to Appalachian State in Boone, and uh, she needed some care at home, so I dropped out to stay home. And so while I was there, I decided to go part time to UNC Greensboro, and uh, wanted to play in the jazz band. And he said, "Well, I need a lead player," and I said. At the, at the audition, I said, well, I've never played you. He says, well, can you play high? And I said, well, I, I might. And the, the day before, I had just been at some used record store and bought a Jet Tone mouthpiece for like $2. Oh, no. <laughs> so I pulled it out of the case, and I put it in, and I played up to a high G and back down. And uh, he said, okay, you're my lead player. I said, okay. And so it was just, you know, trial by fire. I had no idea what I was doing. I was horrible, horrible, horrible. In fact, I don't even think I used that jet mouth, jet, jet, you know, jet tone mouthpiece after that. I just mm -hmm. put my back in my one and a half C and played lead on that until um, I figured out that that was supposed to be hard. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody told me, "Oh, you're, how are you doing that?" I'm like, 
why shouldn't I? I said, well, you're not supposed to play me on such a big mouthpiece. And you know, it's, ever since somebody told me that, I never could after that. <laughs> totally checked my mind. Isn't that funny? But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's true. So yeah. more reason why if something's not broke, don't fix it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So that's how I started. And uh, I was, like I said, I was horrible, horrible. So did you start listening to anybody in particular or were you steered towards uh, any particular group or, or um, players? You know, I, I started listening to a little bit of basic. You know, at that time, some somebody had given me a tape of um, the Woody Herman 50th or 60th anniversary band. I don't remember which one it was, but Roger Ingram was playing lead on. Mm -hmm. And I was a, I was blown away by by the way he played. You know, he was he was musical. He didn't he didn't stunt trumpet play. You know, the stuff was written. A lot of it was written for him. And it just was tasty. You know, and I thought that's what I want to play like. And it, it wasn't even I, I couldn't stunt trumpet play if I wanted to. You know, I just didn't have that. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to sound like him. So he was like, a lot of people learn from the, you know, Snooky and the, the, the older players, Bernie Clo and, and Conrad. But my first person I listened to was Roger. And then after that, it was... you hiccup just there for a second. You said your two favorites. I missed the first part. Oh, oh, probably, probably uh, uh, Roger Ingram and Conrad Gazzo. Oh, okay. Probably my two Got favorites. It. Got it. Yeah. Um, did you ever get to meet uh, Conrad or was, I, I don't know. When no, he was playing, he, but... I, no, I never got to meet. I'm not sure exactly when he passed away, but I I never did get to meet. Him. No, unfortunately. Yeah. I did get to hang out with Snoopy, and I got to hang out with Sweets, and I got to hang out with Byron in New York all together, and that was pretty crazy. Yeah. I followed. I I wanted to take a lesson with Sweets. We were out in L.A. with Diva in like 1994, 1995, playing at the IHAE, and and Sweets or sorry, Snooky was playing with the Clayton Hamilton Orchestra. And so he said, just come find me. So I went out and heard them at, the, at a club one night. And he said, come, come back and find me backstage. So I went backstage to see him, talk to him, see what he'd do by giving me a lesson. And he was kind of running away from me the whole time. <laughs> and I kept falling like a dumb kid. And finally, he, I kind of cornered him and he said, he says, look, kid, he says, I don't know how to teach. He says, you want to play the trip? Just play what you hear. That's all I do. And that was his lesson. <laughs> and so I took, the, took it as a hint. Okay, leave you alone. So I left him alone, and but I, but you know, I never forgot about that. Mm -hmm. it makes perfect sense. Just play what you hear. Yeah. But the the the, the caveat of that is you got to be able to hear something. So unless you unless you listen, you know, so you got to do your homework. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I find that you know it's one thing to listen passively, and then it's one thing to listen really intently, right? And not just listening for the high stuff, you know. The, right. Uh, no. But listening I, for all those the attacks, the crescendos, the shape, you know, all that. Oh yeah, there's so much more to it. The cutoffs, the yeah, just the, the ends of notes. So many, so many players have different ways they end a note, and that's that's really telling, kind of to me about the kind of player somebody is. You know, are they ending it? Are they just cutting the note off? Are they putting some kind of little doit on it? Are they are they trying to put some kind of inflection on it? You know, it, it's interesting. Everybody's got their little style of what they hear, or who they've studied, and they recreated, or they create their own based on what they want to project, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. That's I have my, that's why I'm a fan of Mike Williams, you know, because yeah. he was with a Basie band for, I think, 31 years. Right. And uh, right. boy, just, it's great. It's solid and it's consistent and you know, it, it's identifiable too. You think right. You, know. you hear those guys, you know exactly who you're listening to, yeah. you know, and, and actually, you owe it to the band to be, to be consistent. 
I mean, the band, the sound of the band, or the band is not about the lead trumpet player. The band is about the band. <laughs> you know, sound is about the whole group. So if you're not consistent, then they have no way of, of measuring with you, measuring up to whatever you're going to do, or performing up to whatever you're expecting. Well, here we are in the middle of today's interview. Just a reminder that support for this podcast comes from Messina Covers, who has you covered, literally, for all of your custom case needs. The Eastman Music Company, providing excellence from the professional model to the beginner model. And of course, Pickett Blackburn, providing you with a multitude of options for mouthpieces and trumpets. Now, back to the interview. You never got sucked into the uh, drum and bugle corps aspect of things. Did you march anywhere? No, I... Uh... I was in marching band for a few years at Appalachian State because we had to be, and it was enough cold and outside for me. I'm like, yeah, no, I don't want to do any more. Yeah. And then, ironically, when it's the, the Army Band where we did quite a bit of marching, when we had to do ceremonies, um, and then when I thought, when I was coming over to the field band, I'm like, all oh, right, no more ceremonies. Not that there's anything wrong with ceremonies, but mm. I could get out of the weather. And then, sure enough, like I, I came in 2012, and it was inaugural year coming up in 2013 like oh no i gotta go right back out <laughs> there's nothing worse than the inaugurals as far as as far as uh, elements go you know it's a very honorable uh thing to do but gosh is it cold so yeah, yeah. so I've, I've done my share of those <laughs> and now right. i think i'm done i'm trying to do the math in my head you would have you would have gone through high school in the in the 90s 80s 80s i graduated in 87 and then i went up i, I went to college for a few years on off and then I was in New York by 92, 91, 92. I think. I'm gonna, I feel awkward asking this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Say, were you taken seriously, uh, you know, because you're female? Were there times where you, you were, you experienced some bias? You know, I can't, I, I don't know. I was, I got some good information before I went to the city about how to network and I followed it you know, about getting my name out there, being willing to fill in for people and um, just not being kind of a jerk, you know, it's, a lot of people come in and they think they're going to take the city by storm. And the truth is nobody takes the city by storm. You know, everybody's got to pay your dues. And I remember one of my old teachers, he famous Mr. Adam, Bill Adam from IU always said, he said, you know, I don't care if you're the greatest player in the world, you know, but if somebody comes back and says you are a jerk and I don't know you, yeah. And don't burn bridges, you know, don't burn bridges. It's really important. And a lot of uh, a lot of the industry is about the business side of it, who you are. Uh, only so much is the plane, but nobody wants to get up and stand next to a jerk on stage. So as long as you're kind of a nice person, they'll they'll have you. That's part of the battle. But no, I, I didn't get a, I don't think I, I got a whole lot of bias when I was, when I first came to the city. I, I got calls from a lot of good players and People that I made friends with that gave me the opportunities. And it was good. I, I did have some bias later, and when I, I, when I was pregnant, I remember my, being pregnant with my son, and I was put off a gig because they didn't want a pregnant person on the bandstand. They thought that was a bad look. So you know, I've I've been fortunate not to have too many episodes, probably because of people like Laurie Frank that came ahead of me. You know, mm -hmm. who came and really busted through the scene well and, and, and was, mm -hmm. was respected and played great and a super nice yeah. person so yeah did you ever get to study with her i did take a lesson with her mm -hmm. and more importantly i got to hang out with her 
you know, the very first rehearsal band I did, she was in the trumpet section. And uh, I, I didn't, I knew who she was and I kind of was looking forward to meeting her, but I didn't know she was going to be on that rehearsal. And uh, I was unpacking my horns and I heard this really huge laugh coming through the door. And I look up and it was her. She had already gotten everybody laughing in the room before she even entered it. Uh, and she was just an amazing person. She was a, a lot of fun, a good player, never took herself too seriously. And uh, just, just, yeah, just a wonderful human being. Yeah. Yeah, so many people. That now I'm having uh, the fortunate experience to interview people like yourself. Right. Uh, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I missed the chance to talk to her. I missed the chance to talk to Herseth, you know. But right. uh, I'm going to make sure I can talk to as many people now as right. I can. You know, right. And to experience what they've got to say. And, you know, I joke that, hey, I'm getting a free lesson every time I talk to somebody. It's like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting a free lesson with you today. You know, no, no, uh, not really. But, uh, tell what tell tell what we know yeah. you know I, me I remember going i remember doing a show with Lori one time she was subbing for well he's passed on now rich rapio and i had a show together and she came in to sub for him because he couldn't make it and in between shows we used to walk across the street and get a drink and i was having a drink with her in between shows and i remember she said to me and i i hope i can say this on your show but she said she says you know i had a fight with somebody the other night and i was i was I was making fun of them and they were getting really mad at me. And I, and she said, I turned to them and I said, you know, if you can't laugh at yourself, then you, <laughs> you know, and, and I always remembered that. And I'm, that's really good advice because the, yeah. the music industry is so full of, uh, I, I don't even know what the word is. Un, uncertainty, you know, gosh, music is the one thing where we all crash and burn at some point. Yeah. If not more than many times, yeah. you know, that's part of the human nature of it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as a kid, I used to get really upset. I really take it personally, you know, gosh, I, I suck, you know, I do this. And, and a lot of, I think a lot of people do that and they're up and coming. Mm -hmm. But then hearing something like that from Lori and then realizing that when she made a mistake on a dance team, that, you know, and she would, and I could just heard her and she'd go, she'd be laughing. She would physically be laughing out loud at herself. <laughs> um, you know, that's, that's the way to be. That's yeah. the way to lighten it up. Yeah. Um, I'm going to edit this part out. Uh, but when you were talking about that, the first name that came to mind, I don't know if you know. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Thompson. Uh, you know, I did uh, cruise work for a while. And so there's a band page on Facebook and oh my gosh, they just, they tear him apart on there. He's, uh, but, well, you know, yeah. What have you got? Oh, I think you know that? my, I think you know my history. <laughs> Thompson. In fact, I think the entire internet knows my history. So yeah, he's not. He's uh. Who needs people like that? No, you don't. And and why give him your time? Uh, I think Joey Tartell, you know, got uh, got in it with him as well. And I think Joey told me uh, some of his students made him a butcher of Indiana placard for his door down at IU, you know, or, or something for his desk maybe, but okay. So let's, uh, let me get back on track here. Okay. Oh, no so you mentioned, you mentioned, uh, Bill Annum. Yeah. Um, so I, I knew you were at Cincinnati or in Cincinnati. Did you come to IU for uh, um, school or I, just to study with him? Just to study with him. Actually, I heard about him through, um, Joe Phelps who just passed away this past, uh, I want to say what about a year, year and a half ago mm -hmm. at, at Appalachian state. He was an IU guy. And he would teach the routine, the Adam method. 
And uh, while I was there, it's like 1987 or so, way back there, my first semester, I think, in college. And he brought Bill in to give lessons and for like a week. We got to study with him. And then after I moved over to uh, Cincinnati, I drove over uh, at least once, maybe twice, to study with him privately at the house, uh, which was <laughs> quite an experience. He was, he was an amazing guy. So he... Uh yeah, one more person that, you know, I wish I had, and here I am in Indianapolis, you know, I had the plenty of opportunity to get to know him, but I missed well, out on that. Yeah, nobody knows when they're going to go, do they? Yeah, but I've, I never went to IU, but I feel like I know the Adam routine inside and out because I've had so many friends that have gone through there. And of course, so many uh, great players ended up out in LA, you know, that had right. gone through that program. Uh, yeah. And I actually did the Adam routine three years I didn't miss a day and I don't miss it I haven't done it for a long time <laughs> but you know I, I can see the value of it uh, right uh, and well, I needed a routine to begin with I just needed right. something predictable it's been it's been my routine because it's routine because I'm such a terrible self-starter um so it's it's what I go to in fact you know I, I played the other day for uh, 45 minutes or so and it, that's what I played that's just what I go to. It's mm -hmm. kind of my basis. You still do the whole lead pipe thing to start out with? Uh, it depends. It depends on what's going on in my face. If I feel like I just need to kind of loosen something up or my air's not like going where I want it to go. If it mm -hmm. feels like I'm uh, tense, I might do that just to kind of loosen everything up in my shoulders, everything. I, I don't even know the physical part of it because um, Bill Adam wouldn't want you to know. Right. You know, I just know what works for me. And yeah. so I try and keep my head into one thing because if I put it in somewhere else than something else, I'm a disaster. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, have you studied with, uh, over the years, I mean, even while you were in the service, well, you're still in the service, but have you gone to seek other trumpet gurus? The only person I saw was Lori. Oh. You know, uh, yeah, that I, yeah, I saw, and part of it was I didn't really have a, I don't even know why I didn't, you know, because the military would pay for us to go and take lessons. Uh, really? So, yeah, I mean, it's another perk. I think, I don't know what it is now, if it's the same, it's called MOS Enhancement Money. They give you $400 a fiscal year, maybe, to go study, take a lesson. And uh, yeah, they pay directly to that person. So, yeah, um, but I never took that much advantage of it and I'm not really sure why part of it was I just don't think I had time or I didn't know who to go to mm -hmm. I did get some pointers uh through the kindness of his heart from uh from Vince now down from um Louisville or not Louisville uh Center College I didn't bring Martino. It up, but once again every episode every <laughs> interview his name comes up really so, so thank you for uh, for putting I, that in I, there. That's <laughs> you know, that especially just shows like, his influence, right? I mean, he's just he's yeah, the best. yeah. He and he's such a good guy. You know, when I was getting ready to have third, I had a I had a, a laryngeal seal in my throat in mm. nineteen or sorry, nineteen two thousand and eight, I believe it was. I was I didn't play for almost a whole year because of it, and I had to have surgery. And uh, I wasn't sure what to expect. I wasn't sure because nobody, the only person I'd known if of who had done anything like it would had Michael Brecker who had had a pharyngeal and had his throat operated and end up wearing a band around his neck for the rest of his career. 
there, I, I, I heard both sides get, get it done, don't get it done, get it done, you know, it's going to ruin your playing. So it was kind of nerve wracking, not knowing what to do. Um, and it took me nearly a year to get the all the paperwork in order to get treated outside of the army. The army didn't want to touch it because they didn't know anything about it. So they sent me to a specialist and they did it. But anyway, right before I went in, I said to him, I'm not really sure what to do when I come out. How do I approach this? And uh, he was talking to me about having, thinking about my airstream being more uh, vertical than horizontal, which is completely different from the atom routine where you're imagining this giant column of air. And, um, so I had to change kind of the way I played after that to, I still do the routine, but I don't think of it as so big now. I think of it more of a, you can't see my hands probably, we're going to be doing mm -hmm. obviously, but uh, I don't even know. My, my column of air is more vertical, more up and down rather than side to side to avoid re-injuring it. And I also have another one on the other side and I don't want to have another surgery. Oh gosh. So, so uh, is that a stress related, uh, an occupational related? Yeah, I, it's basically a herniation of of the larynx or pharynx, wherever you have it. And uh, directly, uh, they, they find it common in glass blowers and oboe players of all occupations. Wow. And apparently lead trumpet players. Well, and a labor. high amount of compression, right? I mean, that's exactly. probably what leads to that. Yeah. Exactly. In fact, I was talking to Rick Baptist about it mm -hmm. right before, right after I had had it done. I can't remember which one it was, but he had said that in the 70s when they were doing all the studio work, he said they all were dealing with that. And so they used to take their neckties off and tie them around their throats while they were playing to hold everything together. Um, so anyway, it, yeah, the, that it's not, it's, I'm not the first one, but I think uh, not many people choose to, be, to elect to have the surgery. So, um, is it painful to play with that or is it just an uncomfortable uh, well, feeling? It's no, when, when it actually herniates, it's very painful. It feels like a knife in your throat. Um, and mine would start around a, an F on the staff and, and anything above. So it was, I would gotten to this point where I didn't even know what, what to do outside of having the surgery. And the surgery, what they did was they re reinforced the, uh, the larynx with some kind of a mesh or something for me. And, uh, I was real slow coming back and learned how to kind of redirect my air. And I've never had an issue since then. So I guess everybody's different. It's got to be frightful. I mean, it's uh, terrifying, rather, you know, and, and not knowing if you're going to be able to come back to right. what you do. Right. Uh, it, it, yeah, I mean, it's terrifying. But it, it, at the same time, I just went slow and tried to listen for any signs that I was overdoing. It's kind of like being pregnant in a way. You know, when you're, when you're, when you're playing, I, I didn't, when I had my son, I, I didn't know of any other women who had played lead trumpet and had children. So trying to figure maneuver that, my theory was, and it's just a theory I made up, that if I did it every day, then my body would adjust. And that's what I did. And I played up to the day he was born. He came on his due date, and then we moved on. You know, with this, is kind of the same thing. Play every day. Feel it out. If something feels weird, don't do that. You know? And, and that's what I did. Right. Very slow. Very slow. Right. And since then, everything's cool? Everything seems to be okay. Yeah, I mean, if I find myself, and I don't really do it anymore. If I find myself feeling like I'm going to go back into an old habit where I'm playing like that Adam huge column of air, mm -hmm. I stop and I set my mind again and really try to, if, if I even continue to play at all, sometimes I'll just stop playing because mm -hmm. my mind's in the wrong place or just reset something, whether it be my mind, my face, 
everything. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, you, you know, it is it's frightening. You lose that, and, and this is, for me, this is what I do. I don't know what I would do to that. No, I, I really have to do some soul searching. <laughs> you don't have any, you can't fall back on a piano or a painting or something like that, right? <laughs> or do you have hobbies like that? Um, not that it'll make me money. <laughs> no. yeah. yeah. Well, I think we're all trying to figure out these days, you know, what's going to make us money, you know, sitting at home in front of a computer. It's like, well. <laughs> well, you know. yeah, absolutely. I, I, like I said, I have friends in New York that haven't done a show in, in months and mm -hmm. they're, they're, they're being incredibly creative with what to do next to advance their careers. Yeah. And, and this is part of it. The Zoom, the uh, you know, online lessons, whatever the live performances, we've been seeing them all over the internet. Um, I just hope that, I hope this live music will come back for all of us yeah. and for the students because without it, you know, I don't know what the point is for some people to learn the instrument. I mean, right. I do know the point of it, but you're losing so much of a, the acoustic level of, of music is, is not the same when you're watching it through a box or yeah. a piece of equipment. Yeah. There's nothing, nothing like live music for the acoustics of it. And you know, it's not just the acoustics. It's it's the vibe. It's the energy. It's exactly. It's it's uh, you know, if you're in the audience, it's that. Oh, I don't want to say mob mentality, but you know what I mean. It's oh it's yeah. A, there's a collective, and the same when you're on stage and you feel it. You know, exactly. Uh, it's it's a it's a it's a feeding situation. Like one feeds off the other, for sure. Uh, so I talked to Byron a couple of weeks ago. A terrific interview and. My gosh, what you know, what an amazing player and an amazing person. But he I've actually excerpted a couple of bits of his interview because he spoke so brilliantly on leadership, but he also spoke really brilliantly on our responsibility as musicians when all this is over. You know, we have to get back to the business of making music at an even higher level than right. we did before. Yeah. And uh yeah, um, I kind of want to talk to him every day. You know, he's just, <laughs> he's, you know, he's so much wisdom. Yeah, Byron was one of those guys that I first met when I was in New York. And uh, he actually was going out with the GRP big band for a week or two. And he asked me to house sit for him. <laughs> and he, he had a little chihuahua he named Sweets. And so I took care of Sweets during this, this time period. And, and he got home from tour and uh, I was sleeping on the couch and, and he got up the next day and he says he was going to go do a show. He was playing Jelly's Last Jam. Mm -hmm. And he, I didn't know anything about what to expect, but he, he walks down the hall in his tidy whities and he throws me this shirt. He says, put this on. <laughs> well, okay, so I put it on and he takes me to the subway. I didn't know what he's doing. He, he took me to the show and he put me in the, in, the, in the pit right next to him. Oh, cool. And that was the first time I'd ever been in the Broadway pit and I was blown away. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was amazing, just the, the volume, the excitement, just the that that kind of thing we're talking about. You can't generate right. like right like what we're doing. And then that's where I met, uh, you know, Gregory Hines comes out of the out of the pit right next to me. And uh, you know, it's funny that late years later I would be playing uh, with Maurice Hines. I just thought it was kind of yeah. a cool, cool little mm -hmm. I don't know, thing for me. Mm -hmm. Anyway, he was he was the greatest guy such a nice cat and I learned so much from him and he was very big about the business of music and mm -hmm. teaching about how you really need to make yourself very marketable mm -hmm. and here's a perfect example of what we're going through right now yeah yeah I can't imagine uh, th this can't go on forever because you know uh, I, people are going to suffer I mean, I mean um, that sounds 
stupid for me to say that, but uh, without live music, you know, you can only go to YouTube so much. Right. You can only, you know, at least, but at least we do have that to go to your, you know, throw yeah. your CDs or your LPs on. But uh, well, the, the part of music, what makes music music is the human part of it. You know, the emotion and everything else. And you don't get that in these two dimensions. You really need that extra dimension yeah. of, of being there. I really believe that. Anyway. Well, I, I believe it from the first Zoom lesson I had to, to do, you know, to finish out last semester. Right. It's like this, this is not even remotely. No right. pun intended. No, not even no, no. the same. And, <laughs> uh, you know, and of course, our school is looking at, at going back uh, with a hybrid approach. And I'm just thinking, uh, boy, I just don't know if the students, I mean, they're not getting their money's worth. No, know, no they're not getting schools. their money's. Yeah, no. I, and it's not just music. I mean, my sister is a, and, and her husband, uh, school teachers, and they're dealing with this as well. And I dealt with it with my daughter. And uh, it's, Wow, it's, it just really stinks for these, these kids right now and the teachers. You know, keep, teachers want to give, kids want to learn. Right. And, and there's only so much you can do. Yeah. So do you I do really hope teaching? it goes back. I have. Um, while I've been in the Army, I've found it difficult, especially with the JAs, to teach regularly. I, just for the reasons that we're talking about, I don't mm -hmm. particularly like Skype lessons or Zoom lessons. I prefer to do it one-on-one. One -on -one. I've done a lot of uh, beginner teaching, um, but I've, I've kind of taken a break away from it for, for the last several years. I may get back to it, who knows. Um, so what's in the future for you? What do you see after, you know, the retirement actually hits? Uh, just hoping for the music business to open back up so I can start playing again. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I'm actually enjoying time at home right now. Enjoying my kids, enjoying my dogs. So you just heard one of them. And, uh, <laughs> I'm going to leave that I'm, in, by I'm, the way. I'm, <laughs> I hope you do. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, you know, these are strange times. I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see what's going to happen in the next several months with, with the country. To be honest with you, and all of the issues that are going on, I'm trying to uh, delve into learning as much as I can about social issues and while I have the time to be involved and to be uh, active in these things. Um, and I want to stay active in them. I think they're important. I think it's important to teach the kids um, their duty to their peers and uh, to the rest of the country, if not the rest of the world. So I, I hope to, be, to remain active in some kind of activism um, whatever that looks like, I'm not sure. Um, and just to try and find a chance to play and play for people and take gigs that I want to take and go where I want to go. You know, one of the things about the Army that's a little limiting, I should say a lot limiting, is that you're on call technically 24-7. And that can, be, um, that can be tough when you want to go see family or whatever. Um, or take gigs when it suddenly you just can't do. So I'm looking forward to having that part of my life back. But, uh, you know, what's next? I'm not sure anybody really knows what's next. Yeah. We have to wait and see yeah, of course. what the world's going to give us. Yeah. So. so, Liesl, thank you. This has been a lot of fun today and I uh, appreciate you sharing everything you did. Oh, likewise, my pleasure. I'm really glad you, glad you contacted me. It's been, it's been yeah. a good time.
Well, you know, it's kind of fun. Again, I don't troll people on Facebook, but you know, I've been following your career as of late and, and what you've been doing. And it's like, she's got a story to tell, you know? (laughs) So, and you do, and you did. So again, thanks for sharing all that. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thanks. Nice talking to you. Likewise. All righty. Bye-bye. Bye. Take care. Thank you everyone for listening today. Tune in next week for another great interview. And one last reminder that you can help support this podcast by becoming a subscriber at patreon.com slash studio HFL. Your support would be most appreciated. And another special thanks to Messina Covers, the Eastman Music Company, and Pickett Blackburn for their support of this podcast. Thanks again. Now, go practice. <laughs>